Are you a child of God? Amen. I hope you are today. Great to see everybody. We are in uh, Ephesians, our expedition through Ephesians. I, I know Mr. Loris is proud of me for making that alliterative. They were not alliterative last week, but, um, you know, it's good. Uh, you weren't here, so to, to give me any points off. Um, we're in chapter 2. Chapter 2. First three verses. First three verses. So, the year, oh, Mr. Tommy's going to love this one. All right, so the year is 2048. A strange virus has overtaken most of the population. They're suspiciously hungry for brains, which makes you think maybe it's time to avoid people with rotting flesh that are walking with a limp. It's really no time for zombie jokes, but the dad in you just won't let them go. Dad jokes, come on. All right. Your son turns to you and says, Dad, do you think the zombies find us here? Yes, son, I reckon they're dead set on coming and getting us. Sorry, guys, sorry already, okay? I want to apologize already. Come on, Dad, seriously. Okay, son, don't worry. I think we've got the brains to make a good getaway plan. Okay, nah. Dad, seriously, this is no time for zombie jokes. I, I reckon we should get out of here pretty quickly. They're so close you can smell them. Okay, oh, that's just, that's just right. But, but seriously, no more zombie jokes. I think you're old enough to make decisions now. Why don't you choose the way we should run? Choose. Sorry. Sorry, Miss Jan. Okay, let's run and hide in that abandoned hospital. Hmm, I'm not sure that's a good idea. Let's flesh the plan out a little more. Do I need to stop? Okay, I'm almost done. You said, you said no more zombie jokes. If you love me, you'd stop, Dad. Okay, son, no more zombie jokes. I promise. Of course I love you. All right. So... So uh, when you think of zombies, have y'all have you all noticed uh, how um, how popular zombie shows and movies have been? Have you ever watched any? Just just curious. Has anyone ever watched any in here? Miss Shirley has. I'm I'm not surprised. No. The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. You've watched The Walking Dead. My mom watched The Walking Dead. My, my mother loved it when we were there. It was like the only TV show. Really, your mother loved it. <laughs> Her, your mother loved it. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. When my mom told me she was watching it with uh, with with her granddaughter, my niece Bethany, who was here last week, I was like, "You you watching that show?" Uh, yeah. Anyway, I was so surprised. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm not a big fan of them, but they've been very popular. The Walking Dead, uh, I Am Legend, you know, um, Night of the Living Dead, Z Nation, I Zombie. In fact, I was floored when I found out that there are over 500 movies that have been made about zombies. Did you know that? Five. Hundred movies have been made about zombies. It's a popular thing, and uh, it's kind of my brief intro introduction there. And and my my central statement is this: Before we came to Christ, we lived a zombie life existence, marked by death, enslavement, and condemnation. And I know Mr. Tommy Steele is like, I can't believe I did those jokes. So, oh, <laughs> he wants me to take the jokes away. Okay, you'll see, you'll see me. We'll have a talk after church. Um, but but this really is, and I want you know you to really think about uh, um, your condition before Christ. Um, and I hope everybody in the building today has a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want you. I think it's I think it's important sometimes, um, and it's in the Word of God to think about what what our lives are like. Um, so really, kind of, I really want you to think about that uh, today. And it's not you know there's not a whole lot of um, Hopeful words, okay. That's next week, you know, because this is it. This is our existence uh, before Christ, and so let's look in the first verse. Ephesians two verse one simply says, "And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead." So 
if you're taking notes, again, you know, to be those three parts, uh, death, enslavement, and condemnation. So point number one, death. I, I used to love teaching about cause and effect because I like to kind of scare my kids, you know, uh, especially when it's in the science, you know, and I, I'd be like, I, you know, hitting the or I, you know, hit hit the desk and then look up, you know, and I said, cause, you know, was me hitting the desk. The effect was you, I got your attention, you know, or you about uh, wanted to pee your pants, whatever it might be, um, you know. But but the, so there's a cause and effect. Well, I mean, that's scary. It would scare them. But what's even scarier is the fact that our sins and our trespasses causes death. It's the cause and effect there. These things in our life are deadly to us. Um, some theologians have said that. Paul here is, is possibly referring to the sins of omission and the sins of commission um, uh, here. And that's a good thought. And, you know, sins of omission are things that, that we should do but that we don't do. Uh, sins of commission are things we should not do that we do anyway. Um, and so there's a thought that that could be it. But I've also seen where the word trespass means crossing over a boundary, a known boundary. You're not supposed to cross that, but you cross it or deviating from the path. Um, and we know that sin is missing the mark. We've said that many times here uh, from this sermon, I mean, from this pulpit. Either way you slice it is sin, and we've all done it. We've all done it. Um, this is one of those where I may not get a lot, get a lot of amens, but maybe may more omes today. Um, but uh, look at Romans 3.23, another one, another very sobering thought, but it's true straight from the Word of God. Romans 3.23, and I think pretty much everybody knows it, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, every single one of us have, uh, have all sinned and fallen short of it. Colossians 2, the first part of verse 13 says, And when you are dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, when you are dead in those trespasses. I, and I think I may have told you, but I remember um, you know, going the, on the, to the beach um, uh, whenever I was involved in, in um summer beach project with campus um uh, Campus Crusade actually it was um, it was another Christian ministry, but um, and there was people one time that didn't they didn't like really they didn't think that they'd ever sinned, you know. Oh, I never sinned. I said, Oh, you never done anything bad. You never lied. You never did anything. Never took anything that wasn't yours. No, never sinned. But you know, which was very very surprising. But most people will admit that they that they have sinned. And but the thing is, they don't really realize that they're zombies. They're zombies. Uh, zombies know they're dead. Okay, they're just wreaking havoc all over the place. But didn't we do the same thing before Christ? Um, we just wreaked havoc, havoc all over the place, caused a lot of chaos and destruction. You know, sin is appealing because there's an element of fun or pleasure for a short time, right? There, there's, a, there's pleasure there. But there, there's, all, there's also consequences to sin, awful consequences, which is a side point I want to make. You, you can be forgiven, but there's still consequences for sin. Amen? But again... That sin that we talked about leads to death. J.C. Ryle once said, Christ is never fully valued until sin is clearly seen. Strong, sobering statement that I think we need to hear today. Paul says elsewhere in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Now, I, I purposely left off the rest of that verse. Again, it's for next week. All right, for the wages of sin is death. What, what did we earn through uh, through what through our sins is death. Remember, we, we looked at that, at that scripture before. Wages is something that we earn. We hope we get our wages right, Candace. Hope you get paid when you go to work. And if you don't, you're looking for another job, right? And so what we get for our sin is death. And again, I want you all to, to marinate on that because that's, you know, uh, our pre-Christ existence because that's really just what it was. And it was just, we just existed. We didn't really live. You know, we didn't really live. Paul said in Philippians 1, verse 21, that for him to live is Christ. 
And Jesus himself said in John 10, 10, A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance or more abundantly. But again, look at what the thief does. thief does steal, kill, and destroy. Look at, the, look at all those things. To be clear here, when it says you were dead, it's not to be taken as literal biological death. It is a dramatic metaphor for human existence apart from God. Right? Separated from Him uh, in eternity in a very real place called hell. The metaphorical use of death first appeared in the biblical story in Genesis chapter 2, right? Uh, when the Lord told Adam that if he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would certainly die. In chapter 3, the man does eat the forbidden fruit, but does not instantly die physically. Uh, rather, he begins to live apart from God in a death-saturated existence that's been passed on. The idea of deadness suggests alienation from God, the source of life, and emphasizes a sinner's helplessness to save himself which we'll talk about in a couple weeks. Curtis Vaughn said, It is as though the whole world were one vast graveyard and every gravestone had the same inscription, dead through sin. That's, that's our existence before, before Christ. And, and what I want you to think about that, that today, I also want you to be grateful for, for that salvation. Amen? All right. So without Christ, our existence is marked by death. We see it all over. Right? The death of dreams, the death of hope, the death of goals, a death, you know, literal death as well. Oh, I'm sure those on Wall Street may beg to differ and they, as they hoard their millions of dollars, but that too will be gone one day as well, right? The old saying, you can't, you know, you've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse, you know, because you can't, can't take it with you. And as I've mentioned from the pulpit before, many people suffer in that situation. Many wealthy people suffer from loneliness and depression anyway. That's been proven a lot. There is a search for meaning, but without Christ, that too is death. Bond also said it is apparent that a difference that the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is as great as a difference between a living person and a corpse. That's some strong words, very strong words. But it's true because before we came to Christ, we lived that zombie-like existence, and we had it was marked by death, enslavement, and condemnation. Let's look in verses two and three, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. The second point today is enslavement. Enslavement. Now, we don't like to talk about that, right? You know, we don't like to talk about being a slave to something. The, you know, I, I think, uh, like Miss Shirley mentioned earlier, Walking Dead, that, that show, I think it's appropriate here. You know, that, that, that title, Walking Dead, is appropriate. As we see, Paul use a word that sometimes is translated live, lived and also translated walked, right? You look in verse 2, in which you previously walked. Okay, so let's look at let's just look at that just for a second. Y'all know I like the details, and I know it's not a Wednesday night Bible study, but just bear with me for a second. That word does not uh, mean a literal scroll around the block. Okay, um, it, it means uh, you know to the con the conduct of one's life. Walking in was uh, was a very common Old Testament metaphor. Walking in, uh, just we'll give you a couple verses here. Okay, First Kings chapter three verse fourteen, and again, Miss Rhonda does a great job there. Uh, if you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. 
Again, it's not literal walking. All right, it's walking. It's, it's a walking in. It's a, a the conduct of one's life. That if that if I, I walk in this way, I keep your statutes. I keep your commands. I live that way. All right. Psalm one one says, "How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers." Again, we're talking about a way of life. Uh, this walk also means to live. Okay, again, very similar. Second uh, Kings chapter 20, verse 3 says, Please, Lord, remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly and have done what pleases you. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. That's Hezekiah speaking there. And John chapter 8, verse 12 says, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So before Christ, how was our walk? How was our walk? Think about that. Okay, Because according to Paul, Right? Whether you really you know, want to admit it or not, it was characterized by being enslaved to three things. Okay? And we, saw, we see this in, see these three things in, this, in these two verses here. If you want to write them down, you can. All right, we are enslaved to the world, to the devil, and to the flesh before we gave our life to Christ. Okay? Um, and, and again, I, I'm going to keep saying this is sobering thought today, but it's, it's the Word of God. Amen? Right? Uh, sometimes these are uh, sermons that are not fun to preach, but you, you feel like God is, is, uh, wants to say it today. So the world, all right, the world. Let's look at that. Ephesians two, the first part of verse two says, "In which he previously walked according to the ways of the world." What about those ways of the world? Did it, do you, are we familiar with that? Right. What they look like? Colossians 1 verse 21 says, Once you are alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions. That's another comparison other than, uh, other than zombies, aliens. You know, And we are just not who we are created to be whenever we are without Christ. Amen? And this world seems to want us to join them. Look at Romans 1 verse 32. Um, and, and this is before, in fact, I want to, I want to read that part to you because uh, I want to get the whole thing so you're not going to see... All of it there on your on the screen, all right. But I, I wanted you to uh, to hear this well. Right? One of the reasons why I like to have it up there because it takes me a while to get there. Romans one. Just listen to some of the stuff here. And we're gonna start in verse twenty eight. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. All right. This is the world. Okay. Uh, they are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Although they know God's just sentence that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. Sound like the world to you? You know, it, it's like, hey, join us. Come on, join in. The old saying, misery loves company, is appropriate here, right? Just come on and join with us. Come on and join us. I, I'm, I can remember when I first gave my life to Christ and, and the same people that I partied with, you know, in college at, at a basketball tournament. Um, I gave my life to Christ, and, you know, right after that, they were like, hey, hey, Murph, come come, uh, come party with us, man. Come, got a party this weekend. I'm like, I can't do that, man. I can't do that now. Oh, wow, come on, man. Come on, Murph, you can go with us. No. Right. Oh, come on, join us. Join us. Think of think of zombies. If you if you're bitten by one, what happens? You become one. All right, right, Miss Shirley. I have to refer to my uh, resident zombie uh, expert in the house this morning. All right, I've I've never watched them. 
except for I am legend. Uh, it freaked me out. All right. Uh, Romans 12, verse 2 in the ESV says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And, and I know you may have heard this before, but uh, you want to hear it again. Conform is easy. Transform is not. In the very definition of the word, again, without going into great detail, it's easy to conform. It's in the definition of the word. It's easy to conform. Uh, transform is not. Just ask the caterpillar. Okay? All right? It's, it's a whole different process you've got to go through. So it's easy to do those things. It's easy to be like the world. David Gusick says this, once walked, and I love this part, and I can't say it any better, so I'm giving him credit for it, and, uh, and just to read it to you. It says, once walked means it should be different for those who are made alive by Jesus Christ. A dead man feels comfortable in his coffin, but if he were to be made alive again, he would instantly feel suffocated and uncomfortable. Can y'all relate? Can y'all think back when you gave your life to Christ? And those things that you once did didn't feel right anymore. Something was telling you, ah, I shouldn't do that. Well, it's the Holy Spirit. Right? You're getting you off to Christ. It's the whole, that's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. There would be a strong urge, he says, to escape the coffin and leave it behind. In the same way, when we were spiritually dead, we felt comfortable in trespasses and sins. But having come to new life, we feel we must escape that coffin and leave it behind. Amen? James 4, verses 1 through 4. Again, let's look at, this, at the world here. What is, what is the source, as James asked? What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know, listen, that friendship with the world is hostility toward God. So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Strong words, right, brother? James tells us to be careful. Not only are we slaves of the world, but it makes us enemies to God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an enemy to that, okay, to Him. And if that truly is the case, the Bible is clear that the world, that if it's true, you know, which we know it is, the Bible is clear that the world is passing away. What will happen to those without Christ? What will happen? Have you told somebody about Christ lately? That's another sermon. I had to add that in. 1 John 2, listen to a very similar, similar passage to James. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Some strong words here. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions, we've talked about those three things before, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away but the one who does the will of God remains forever it was just a way of life for us I, I'm reminded so many times I've heard Sally say lost people at lost Patrick I mean, it, it really is the truth and you know she, I mean she may have heard I don't know she made that up she heard it but man it's the truth and this world has this pull on us and before Christ no amount of trying hard or going to church could rescue us and we're going to look at that next week not by, or actually maybe in two weeks, but not what we could do, right? Not by works, lest any man can boast. Some strong words. We were enslaved to the world, plain and simple. But that wasn't the only thing we were enslaved to. Wow, you're giving us some stuff today, Pastor. Well, straight from the Bible, y'all. Ephesians 2, look at the second and third part of verse 2. 
according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in a disobedience. Well, who is that? Satan. He's real. Okay? And um, this power, ruler of the power of the air, is Satan. Uh, uh, Robert says that the Hellenistic people during that age, during the, uh, this time in Ephesus, considered the air to be the abode of demonic powers. We mentioned how powerful that was. You know, last week we talked about that, how they had, you know, a lot of people in that area uh, were into that type of stuff. The fact that these powers lived near the earth enabled them to be at work among human beings. Thus, when we were dead because of our own sins, we were also in bondage to the spiritual powers of evil. Again, we were enslaved. We had no power to free ourselves. Our existence was marked by enslavement to the devil. Now, we may not want to come out and, as church folks and say, well, I'm a devil worshiper, right? or possessed or anything, but in, in a certain way, we were possessed in that we were owned by Satan. Right? We were possessed. Uh, we were a slave to him, all right? slave to the power of the air, uh, and that he owned us. This terrible picture is tragically true of the spiritual bondage of all who are strangers to God's, uh, to God's grace in Christ. Amen? And now, also, are we enslaved to those uh, two things, the world and the devil, but to the flesh? And this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Whew, even Paul struggled with this one, right, brother? Tommy. Ephesians 2, verse 3, the first part says, We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And notice, did y'all see the change there of the personal pronoun? Those you people who like English, you may have noticed. Look at the change in the pronoun, verse 3. Okay, Paul changes it from you previously to we. He puts himself right in there. All right? And then not just we, but we all. Right. Yes, even the holy Pharisees or the Jews lived according to the flesh before Christ. Our flesh, something even as Christians, we still battle. The difference is we are no longer slaves to it. And that's thus a song that, I, that, I, that we played earlier, being no longer slaves to fear and to those things. Before we were, look in Romans 8, verses 6 through 8. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are, who are in the flesh cannot please God. Even if we wanted to please God, we couldn't. We are slaves of flesh whenever we don't have Christ. The walking dead, the zombies... They have no goals or ambitions. Uh, they just by instinct wanted to satisfy their appetite for human flesh. I, I thank my mom for giving me that because I didn't. I wasn't really sure. And I asked her. I said, "What is their purpose? What is their? I don't know." And she told me that. That's what she said, pretty much word for word. <laughs> Galatians five verse sixteen says, "I say then, walk by the Spirit again, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh." But see, we don't have the Spirit before Christ. Can't do it on our own. Okay? So we carried out the desires of our flesh. Right? Before we came to Christ, again, very somber point here, but true. We lived a zombie-like existence marked by death, enslavement, and maybe worst of all, condemnation. Condemnation. Look at, the, uh, look at verse 3, the last part of it here. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the other words, others were also condemnation again notice he says we he adds he adds himself in there we were by nature paul includes himself and the other jews in the statement see oh so y'all can't y'all you know it's like y'all can't get away from this one you're part of this too now stay with us here you're also 
under wrath. By nature, children under wrath. The, the fall into sin described in the third uh, chapter of Genesis was not merely a moral lapse, but a deliberate turning away from God in rejection of Him. Sin's entrance brought about a sinful nature in all humanity. People do not genuinely repent or turn to God apart from divine enablement. Okay? You, have, uh, you, you hear the Word of God, right? and it speaks to you, and God gets your attention. You know, and you say, I need, I need Jesus. Uh, again, I've told you that was me. That was me, and I didn't. You know, I was a pretty good guy for the most part, and I'll talk about that a little bit more um, in a couple weeks. But um, I had wrong ambition, wrong aim. I was just trying to be a good person, right? and then, um, and then I, I found myself in a in a bar in a bathroom of, of a bar, and and being like, what am I doing? And I got God. I just felt God saying, what are you doing? Right? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. Um, the Ephesians weren't the only ones that Paul says something like this to. I thought this was interesting. Colossians 3, verse 5 and 6 there says, Therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the, de- uh, the, the disobedient. The disobedient. That's our destination. So just like zombies, we have no hope. They are, they are destined for an existence of no satisfaction until they apparently get decapitated. That's another question. I didn't really know how they die. My mom said, I think they just get decapitated. All right. See, Romans 1, verses eight, verse 18 says, listen to these verses, okay? Again, you know, sobering thoughts today, but true. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And, and those people, you, you, before you came to Christ, you, you may have been the same way. You a good person, did good things. But you and I, we, we did that. We, 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 we were still without God and we had unrighteousness in us. And we suppressed the truth. John 3 verse 36 says, The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. Amen. But the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. And, and God, you know, I, I, I'm sure God is saddened by some of the things that, uh, that pre- some of the preachers some of what the preachers have preached from their pulpit on Sunday mornings. You know? uh, oh, you know, hell's not really a place. And, and we just want to love on you and we want to say all nice, good things. And this is going to, when you give your life to Christ, it's all sunshine and rainbows and daisies. Hogwash. It's not. You know? It's tough. The Christian life is tough. Uh, and we need to present to people. I just read, the, I just saw this yesterday and, and it just hit me. I'm like, I got to say, I, yeah, that's true. You know, uh, it. Uh, the Bible talks about not being peddlers of God's word, being careful with that, you know. I, I, and I have to, I want to make sure I don't do that, you know, um, and paint a picture that coming to Christ is going to be easy, right? Because it's not. You have to make the decision to accept Christ. It's your decision, right? And, and we can't force somebody into a decision. And we know we've seen that in churches, you know. And oh man, we had 200 people, you know, give their life to Christ. Amen. Praise God if those people really gave their life to Christ. Or did they just write their name on a paper? You know? And so, uh, again, I'm sorry I kind of went off on a tangent there, but, you know, maybe I don't need to apologize to something else I saw yesterday. I want to apologize for the Word of God. God forgive me. God is a righteous judge and a God who shows His wrath every day. Whew, we, don't read, we don't sing that song in church, do we? Psalm 7, verse 11. God is a righteous God. We are not sinners because we sin. 
Rather, we, we sin because we are by nature sinners. That's who we are. We are born alienated from God and rebellion against Him. And God is a righteous God. Holy and righteous. We need to sure we make sure we need to marinate in this thought. Before Christ, we were destined to hell under the wrath of God. And I don't know about you, but I never liked living under anybody's wrath. I had some teachers that stared the mess out of me. Right? Yeah. Uh, amen. Right? But much less would I want, I definitely don't want to be under the wrath of an awesome, all-powerful, almighty God of the universe who can do anything He wants. And that's the thing, you know, we can be afraid of the creature in the dark at night or whatever, the, the uh, closet monster or zombies even because they're not real. Right? Our God is a God to be feared, respected, and loved. Amen. John Stott said the following. I thought this was a very, very strong word. He says, we need, I think, to be more grateful to God for His wrath. Now, wait a minute. Just stay with me. Okay, listen to what he says. We need to be more grateful to God for His wrath and to worship Him that because His righteousness is perfect, He always reacts to evil in the same unchanging predictable, uncompromising way. Without his moral constancy, we could enjoy no peace. We don't, we don't think about that. He requires holiness. He requires perfection. It had to be his per perfect son, Jesus, who died for us in our place. Couldn't be anybody else because no one else is perfect. And we deserve that wrath before we came, we came to Christ. Right? You can see it again. We live a zombie-like existence marked by death, enslavement, and condemnation. I'm going to ask Mr. Lawrence to come up as we wrap up this morning. And um, John 3, verse 18. We'll listen to this, okay? Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. Amen. That's a good one, right? But, listen, anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. See, what Paul has done in this passage is to paint a, a, a stark contrast between what man is by nature and what he can become by grace next week. So man by nature is, is not a very pretty picture, is it? It's not pretty. It wasn't easy to preach this message, but it's the truth. It's the truth. It's worth it. Because if I can give you a little taste it. We too, I want to read that part again, verse 3. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshy desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens, in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us, and, to us in Christ Jesus. Y'all hear the difference in what we're doing next week compared to today? But God. So we had a rough, you know, heard some rough stuff to, today. But God. Ooh, I might get excited next week. Okay? All right? Um, and hopefully you, you, hopefully you will too. If you don't, then you need to check your, your excitement meter or something, whatever you call it. All right? But thank you all for being here today. And if you don't know Christ, this is your existence. What we talked about today is you. This is one of those messages where 
Sometimes you say, well, you know, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, what we talked about today didn't really apply to you. No, this was all about you today. You know, come to Christ. Accept the fact that Jesus died in your place. In your place and accept that today. Amen. Ask some Sally to come up.